My guest today is coming across the ocean from United Kingdom. His name is Mark J. He's a life coach, a public speaker, brand consultant, inspirational chat show host, and in my opinion, he's also a great storyteller. Hello, Mark. Hi. Welcome. Welcome, oh. and thank you for being here with me today. Oh, it's How my are pleasure. You? I'm very, very well, thank you. It's my pleasure. Really lovely to be here and um, to sit opposite somebody so many miles away that's got a bigger smile than me. That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> that's wonderful. Hey, I, I know your uh, story more or less. It's very interesting. And uh, it, it's very, very interesting life story, Mark. Uh, can you tell us uh, a little bit, where did this all begin? Um, the story actually began um, when I was a young man, um, uh, growing up, uh, the, the question started to be asked, oh, what are you going to do when you get older? And my older brother had a girlfriend who was a hairdresser and she used to come on a Sunday and do my mum's hair. And I used to sit cross-legged in front of my mum, watching Brenda pick up pieces of hair and cut them. And I used to think, God, I could do that. And after a few weeks, I was really convinced I could do this. And I had a little sister and she had really beautiful long blonde hair. And she was about six. And I then at the time was 10, 11. And my mum went to the shops only for about 15 minutes. And there was really beautiful pair of shiny scissors. And I thought, I'll just give my sister a little haircut. I can do what Brenda does. Oh my God. And um, yeah, within about 20 minutes, she had hair about as short as yours. <laughs> and when my <laughs> and when my mum came home, I remember I can shut my eyes and remember her standing there with two shopping bags, just with her mouth open. <laughs> my little sister going, look, look at my new hair. And there was all this blonde hair on the floor. So that's how the hairdressing began. My father wasn't very pleased, but that's how the hairdressing began. And then I, I got the, I did the normal thing. I got a Saturday job and then started work for a really great company. But I also went through a considerable amount of bullying because back in the early 70s, you know, a young kid from South London, it wasn't a very common popular thing. Mm -hmm. So I went through all the, the normal bullying at the start, you know, I was doing a girl's job and, but I went through quite a lot of intense mental and some physical bullying. So my older brother took me to judo, that was no good. He took me to boxing and that was no good. And then we found Kung Fu and um, David Carradine was on the television with this program at the time. And I thought, yeah, I could do this. And I met one of my inspirational people that then became sort of part of my life for the next 20 odd years. And I studied martial arts to, to have quite a high grade. And um, that's where the, the story began. Mm -hmm. And then through that period of time, there was, uh, the, the journey was like a train journey from them until, till early this year. But on that train journey of hairdressing, I've had four salons. Um, I had an academy. I've launched my own product range. But also through that, that time, I've stopped at stations along the way and taken on bodybuilding. Uh, I was an actor. I went to drama school. Um, I became quite inspirational to young actors. And then because I'd already by this time had my own business and I was going on to my second new business, I was sort of an inspirational mentor to two young people that wanted to open their own salon. So I inspired, took some time out and inspired them through that. 
And through that period of time, um, meeting people like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Conan the Barbarian, you know, and um, and Tony Robbins, and my my chief inspiration inspirational person was the guy I worked with in Harrods mm-hmm. um, called Harold Layton. He invented the round brush that you girls do your hair with now. I was his apprentice, and um, every day I'd come to work, I'd always not moan but say something, and he would he would say, "Mark, never ever give up. Doesn't matter what anybody says." never give up and he would say it almost like some people say hi and it was almost like tattooed into my brain never give up never give up never give up and people I imagine I don't know I never asked but friends back in the in the early 80s and that they'd say something they go ah oh, never give up that I almost got it as a bit of a nickname you know oh are we all going to the party on Saturday night who's going I'll never give up's going you know and then um, of course, through the years, many, many musical artists have, have made songs with that either in the song or in the title, you know, never give up on a good thing, you know, and, uh, oh, that's your song, is it? You know, so that stuck with me. And yeah. um, and that was really the, uh, the that's about as, as short as I can make it for you. So I don't bore everybody to tears, but there's loads more in there. There's loads more in there. It's not boring at all. It's very interesting, really. Uh, I, from your story, the, the stuff that you told so far, I'm, I take a few pointers. One of yep. them is I want to revisit the bullying. Uh, yeah. We know that bullying has a big impact on young kids and teenagers. Yeah, very much so. Character formation. And you are saying that you were bullied as a child. How did that affect you? It, it was... It was a strange thing because um, it the, the bullying actually started before the, the, the hairdressing thing really came along, because I mentioned that in what we call junior school over here. Um, but it happened before that. And there was uh, a, a big, a big, um, a big guy. He was the biggest guy in the in the in the school actually would even I think going back, I was about seven and it was around the time that mum used to leave you at the end of the street and you could walk the rest of the way. And I'd get to the school gates and this guy would take my dinner money from me and, and push me over. And so I didn't have dinner for about 11 weeks. Wow. And I would always come home from school and I'd be raiding the biscuit jar, you know, the cookies. And um, my mum would be like, my God, you know, why are you so hungry? And it, that didn't reveal itself until I actually left school. And that started to affect me. Um, I also had a neighbor who was, he was about three years older than me, but he could only play with young kids. I, don't, I didn't know back then whether he had problems, but he only ever wanted to play with the younger kids. And his mum and dad were out one day and I went into his house to call for him. And we used to just walk in, everybody's back door was always open. And he locked me in an understairs cupboard, which was pitch black. And he left me there for four and a half hours. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it wasn't until his mum came home from work and, and unlocked the door. And that, that put me in a, I don't mean to use this as a pun, but that put me in a dark place. So that took a little bit of a while for me to come out my shell when my mum and dad had friends or neighbours. I would run to my room because that, that, contact that even that 
people being in the same room, I had trouble handling that mm-hmm. because that, you know, and, and so when I actually started martial arts, it was something I didn't quite understand, but it was a freedom in my mind because my teacher was, are you sensei? And not a lot of people know what that word is, but that's a martial arts teacher. My sensei would be telling us things and asking us to kneel quietly and shut our eyes. And, and this was like a form of early meditation. I, I didn't know this as a, a very young teenager, but it was a form of meditation and getting us to, to bring all the nasty stuff out and, and air it. And he would ask us all individual questions. And that was the beginning of me healing from that. But I remember one very pro- profound moment when I went to this class, the very first class, after all the parents or the relations or the people that brought you have gone, he would kneel us down and he would go and kneel in front of us and he'd say, why you want to learn martial arts? And I said, well, um, I was very shy. I-, I said, well, I've been really badly bullied, so I want to learn how to hurt people back. And he went, Mark, no, 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 no. It is easy to hurt people. first." You have to learn how to heal people. And as a young kid, I didn't really get what that meant. You know, what's he mean, heal people? I'm not a doctor. You know, I can't give people medicine. I I didn't understand. But of course, as the years progressed and I got more into it and I started to learn more, it wasn't until I was about 15, I think it was about a green belt, I started to understand. And it was because my aunt was ill. And I remember my mum saying that, you know, it's not just about the medical healing. It's about mind and soul. And I said, yeah, I said, I think I get this. This is what Bobby, you know, my sensei has been saying over the last few weeks to learn how to heal people. This is not about medicine all the time. It's learning how to take someone away and talk to them. And, And so I had that implanted in my head. So that was my first, very first stage of um not only coming, I mean, once I could laugh after myself and I proved that, people left me alone. Yeah. You know, when you could sort of get your foot and put it up there like that, the boys at school, woohoo, we'll just leave, <laughs> you know, we'll leave him alone. Now, you know, he can be in our gang, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. So, um, but that, that really helped me a lot. Yeah, that must have, yeah. Uh, well, there's another thing that I also wanted to ask about. Yeah. Uh, during, uh, I remember you telling me your experience with uh, Tony Robbins. Uh, it's quite amazing. Uh, can you tell us about that? Yeah. Hair on I, the I, back of the neck moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the hair's on the back of the neck moment. And it's, for me, it's got to be on the back of the neck, obviously, because like, but, but <laughs> I had, believe it or not, I had a thick mop of hair then. I, my hair was a bit like um, Barry Gibb. Um, it was very, very into have hair and highlights as a hairdresser back then. Um, but it was back in the early 80s. Um, I was on holiday with my cousin mm-hmm. and um, he'd, he'd made it really lovely. Every single day he planned on the calendar something for us to do. It, just an event, you know, you know, what are we doing today? He said, well, we're going to this really cool shopping mall where it's got like a little river through it. And we go on a boat, a bit like in Las Vegas. And I went, wow, that's cool. He said, then this afternoon, we're going to see a life coach. And I said, yeah, what's a life coach? And he said, um, it's someone that just helps you. And if you, you've got problems or you want to lose weight or you want to give up smoking or you're a bit insecure or you've got phobias, they sit and they talk to you. I said, oh, well, okay. And uh, I said, what, is it a group of it? He said, no, it's one guy. He said, he's, he's a bit 
sort of like um like he's a giant he's about six foot five and he's got this great big mouth of shiny white teeth and he's got this really cool voice you know and so yeah we paid our 25 dollars or whatever it was and we went along and we sat in this auditorium and i i was and for an hour and a half, just stuck listening to what this guy had to say. He was calming. He was sometimes loud because it was like, let me hear you say, yeah, you know, and everybody go, yeah, yeah. you know, Americans, I love them. And um, and then afterwards, there was all this, come. they did this fire walking thing where he got people to, you know, not hypnotize them, but it was a part of the mental state to get them in to believe that they can achieve and not fail and walk across a short distance of hot coals. And um, afterwards there was all this like gathering and he was shaking hands and people taking photographs. And I, I wanted to get an autograph and I managed to bundle my way through. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, it, this sort of came in two sections. Yeah, the whole thing only for me lasted about 45 seconds, but I managed to get through to get his autograph. And it is this really great big tall man. And he looked down at me and I said, he said, oh, what's your name? And I said, Mark, and it's Tony Robbins. And he just looked at me and he went, what do you do? And I said, uh, um, quick, come on, Mark, think. I said, I'm a ladies hairdresser. And he said, are they happy? Do they come back? And I went, yeah. He went, and he put his hand on my shoulder and his hand was like red hot, like an iron, you know, not sweaty hot, just hot. And he went, you have something. And that took about six seconds. To me, it felt like an hour. <laughs> Because all the, 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 you know, hundreds of people around, it all went sort of all numb. You know, like when you come out of a disco or a party, I couldn't hear in my ear. I could just hear his voice. And then that was it. And before I know it, I was bundled away and other people going in and he was shaking hands and people were taking photographs and cheering his name. And I walked away with this autograph and I, I got about 50 metres away. And this is the bit that got me. I don't know if you, you remember back when you first met your husband and you're saying goodbye and you go, bye, darling, bye. And you look back and they're looking back and then you walk and then you look back and they're looking back and you go, bye. And then you look back and they're not looking, they're carrying on walking. You go, oh, it was that moment for me. I got about 50, 60 meters away. We were just about to leave. And I thought, wow, yeah, he's amazing, this guy. And I looked back and there was this sea of people. And because he's 6'5", he, he towered above everybody. And just for that moment, I looked back and he turned around and went, and then carried on. And that just went like an arrow and just smacked me in the face. And all the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. And I thought, why did he look when when I looked? And I can shut my eyes and I can remember that like it was yesterday. And that was 35 years ago. You know, if I ever truly, if I ever truly get to meet Tony, I will pray and hope my biggest wish that all the millions and billions of people that he's met he might remember me <laughs> there's about one chance of that happening but but that was just amazing and um several other uh, speakers and mentors and people that i've spoken to that i've told that story to they too have gone oh you know when i first told paul rogers when i was chatting to him and he sat there and he came close into the camera like this and um he went wow even like the hairs on the back of my neck have stood up he said that hey man he said that's like you've been blessed <laughs> he said it might have been you know a lifetime ago but you you've been blessed you you've had the hand touch you you know and um that was you know for me it was seconds but it was a really lovely moment and i can remember it like it happened last week
So yeah, wow, wow, they're really amazing. And um, during uh, your long and successful hair hairstylist career, have you had any famous people go under the scissor? Um, yeah, that, that 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 always came as one of the most um, quite popular questions to be asked. Other than, are you gay? Back in the eighties, you know, big muscly guy. Hey, you don't look gay. No, I'm not gay. Oh, have you done anybody else famous? You know. Um, my very first famous person, I don't know whether you'll know this actor. Mm -hmm. um, if I say a couple of things that he's been in, then you might know. But um, the salon that I was manager of at the time, before I got my very first salon, we were near a theatre in Bromley in South London, in South of London. And it was a big theatre. So quite a lot of performances came there after they'd done the London thing. And I can't remember the production that was on, but one day, one sort of afternoon, we weren't that busy. This guy walked in very nicely dressed, a gentleman, you know, mm -hmm. and and he said, oh, and the receptionist wasn't at the desk. So I flew over to the desk and I said, oh, can I help you? And he said, yes. He said, I'm performing at the theatre. I don't know if you can trim me up while I'm sticking out. I have to wear a high collar. <clears throat> Excuse me. He said, and I just I said, yeah, please come and take a seat. And I got chatting to him. And as I'm talking to him, we're talking about theatre because I'd done a bit. Uh -huh. And he said, oh, you've acted. Oh, what, you know, drama school did you go to? Blah, 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 blah. And I thought, I know you. I know you. And you never want to do that thing, you know? You don't want to go, oh, you know, can I be your... And I'm just, yeah, I know you. And I, and I didn't ever ask. And then it wasn't until he went out the door and one of my sisters came in. She went, oh, that's the guy upstairs, downstairs, Gordon Jackson, mm. you know, the, the, the head mm. butler who yeah. then went on to, and he'd done lots of theatre and then he went on to do a very successful program called the professionals with lewis collins um a, you know a, a sort of um a cop sort of thing uh -huh. about mi5 and all that and and he's done so many other things since then but it was then that i realized that it was nice that i was doing people that also wasn't in the industry to be noticed they were in the industry because they loved what they did because i too went in one of my trips to america realized that you can either go down two ways with hairdressing you can either go down the celebrity route or you can go down the look after the real people route and i wanted to remember be remembered in hairdressing as being a good hairdresser not that i did this person or that person so there was a there was a time when i found a fork in the road that people said oh you could go and work in london and do all these famous people's hair and i thought no i want to concentrate with the people on the street the normal people and look after them but i still met people along the way and right up until early this year there's a, a very famous actor that lives here on the Isle of Wight in Great Britain called Melvin Hayes. He's a lovely man. He worked with Cliff Richard in Summer Holiday and all the early films. He was also the, the chief elf in Santa Claus the movie with Dudley Moore. Yeah. And um, he became a friend. Uh, he's been a friend for 15 years. And he's a lovely, lovely man. And we always said we, we one day we would act together. And he's such a normal guy i see him walking his dog regularly and he still looks the same as he did 35 40 years ago in the movies you know and he talks like this he has this little hello mark how you doing all right and he's always got a funny story to tell and to still be in touch and 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 be in contact with people like that has been really really lovely along the way but you know you still 
through the years you get plonked somewhere and you, can you do this model's hair or can you do this rock star's hair and um, Mark King from level 42 lives in this neck of the woods so I cut his hair and you know people along the way you, you meet people but it's 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 been about the person yeah. not where they come from so that's been you know it's been a lovely journey where that sort of thing is concerned yeah and also you have mentioned that you met uh, Conan the Barbarian how did oh, that yeah. happen <laughs> um, again, another holiday, and uh, my cousin said, you see, and this is the interesting part of this, is that I was still um, around the end of my martial arts career, I got quite high up, I got my black belt, and I was taking a teaching grade, so I was very into sort of the Bruce Lee physique, so he, I said, what are we doing today, he said, well, we're off to Santa Monica, to Gold's Gym, Muscle Beach, and he said, and we're going to watch all these uh, big muscly guys. And he said, and there's this, there's this huge guy. He's got these 23 inch biceps. And I went, Christ, that's the size of my leg. And he said, yeah, he said, um, he's making this film. He said, no one can pronounce his name. He's called Arnold Schultz, uh, salt and pepper or something. And I said, oh yeah, and everybody had trouble pronouncing his name. So we went along and we sat at this um, Gold's Gym um, in Venice Beach, uh, Santa Monica, it, it's, it's all built outside mm. and they just got a bit where they take all the the loose dumbbells and then they lock it away but it's all built up with concrete seats and it tears up like a theater so we all got our ticket and went in and our smoothie and we're all sitting around and we're watching these guys come out and lift heavy weights but because that wasn't my thing at the time i was more interested in the girls going by in bikinis on roller skates up and down the you know the promenade like and my you know i was looking like this and my cousin would go, yeah look at this i'm going oh yeah and then right at the end the guy that owned, was running the gym said, okay, please give a big hand and a big whoop, whoop, whoop for our special guest, Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I thought, oh, that's how you say it. And this, this dude came out and he had this center parting and this sort of longish hair and a really big, super triple quadruple X t-shirt that hung in him like a, like a tent. And I thought, well, he don't look that big because it was hiding everything. And he said, uh, good afternoon, everybody. Yes, my name is Arnold and I'm here today to talk to you about bodybuilding. And he started talking about bodybuilding and then people were shouting questions, you know, you know, how much how much milk do you drink, Arnie? And he says, milk? <laughs> when you grow up, you should drink beer. And it'd be like funny comments like that, you know. And then he took his T-shirt off and went like that. And everybody went, oh, and for about five <laughs> seconds, you just... You just heard everybody breathe in <gasps> like that. And then everybody went, yeah, and all the cameras started going and everything. And he was doing this and doing this and, you know, and I thought, wow. So I queued up with the other 250 odd people and I got my photograph with Arnie. Mm -hmm. He was standing here like that. that I've got in a safe place, in a, in a safe, packed away. And, uh, you know, got a picture with the governor of California and, um, that was it. When I came home, I, I bought a few magazines and um, it didn't take long before I, I hung up my Kung Fu suit and I joined the gym. And that was my my really my inspiration. Then I, I managed to get absolutely everything, every interview, every article, every magazine that Arnie was in. And um, then, of course, he started to make films that was on the, the brink of him making Conan the Barbarian which he was at his biggest. Then he went on to have a very, very, very successful um, acting career, the highest paid act, um, action hero. Um, then he got into politics because he met Maria Shriver and married Maria. And he got into the Kennedy family, which was a, a big hoo-ha. It did reach the papers at one stage because of his parents' background to do with um, 
Nazis and things, I think it was, but that's another subject. Um, but he still became governor of California and worked with Joe Weeder um, and to, to help uh, underprivileged kids, mentally handicapped kids. Um, he, he created a massive fitness event that I, I was part of in England because it was all around the world. And um, yeah, and then, and then I went on to compete as a natural bodybuilder. So wow. that was a massive inspiration. He was, you know, just that one meeting of him, you know, um, that time, that, that Thursday afternoon in Santa Monica. It was, uh, yeah. yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> yes, it is cool, really. And it made a big impact on your life. Uh. Uh, yeah, I, I think so, because I went 20 years on a diet is a long time. So it didn't, I learned very early on that the word isn't diet, it's, it's a way of life. So I started to cut out a lot of things because of the, the way of life of a natural bodybuilder and your physique and what you were trying to do. It became a massive interest to me. So I found books again and I started to read and I got into the nutritional side of things. And then I went back to school and started to learn more night school and started to learn more about nutrition and, you know, electrolyte system and what's good and what's bad. And I could never dream of one of my favorite things growing up was I love jacket potatoes with lots of butter and lots of sour cream. And that soon turned around where I'd be able to eat a jacket potato, cold, baked potato, cold, raw with nothing on it. And people will go, oh, my God, that's disgusting. Are you going to put anything on that? No, I've got another one in my bag. <laughs> would you like some? Or maybe a little bit of black pepper, but that's it. And, you know, it's uh, it really taught me really a lot um, about nutrition and and what's good and what's bad. Hey, but we need a little bit of everything in our life. So um, it was nice to have a thing like a cheese and pickle sandwich or um, a burrito or, you know, some ribs because I didn't have that sort of thing for about 20 years, didn't touch alcohol for 20 years. And so to ease ease back into that was yeah. Um, yeah. that was that was uh a process <laughs> but um i have a little bit of everything now still have me protein drinks still take me vitamins still drink lots of water but i like a good glass of wine or a gin and tonic yeah yeah that's good that's good uh so i want to ask about you becoming a life coach and motivational uh, speaker what was your like thunderbolt moment what mm. What did, that, what did yeah what did bring it up how did that happen um speaking to certain people um at the end of last year um i was doing some personal training and some motivational talking i was going to schools and i was talking to young teenagers not just young men but girls as well about sport and drugs and that you could have a good physique and you could have a really good healthy way of life and motivating them into that that direction and quite a few times people kept saying to me oh you should be a motivational speaker well you already are a motivational speaker you should get into some form of business where that's concerned so it it played in the back of my head and then when we came into 2020 and um, there was talk of a virus and um, they weren't quite sure what was going on. And I, it, I didn't realize it was a cloudy moment. It was there, but it was misty and I wasn't taking much notice. And then we went into lockdown. And of course, my salon closed. 
and that was the thunderbolt moment i i sat thinking you know what do i do where do we go is it going to be two weeks is it going to be a year no one knew here in britain i know it was it's, it's similar now around the world but at that particular time you know our prime minister said right boom and the country stopped and it was empty no trains no buses no factories no nothing and i thought i've got to stay in contact with people what do i do and so i was already i had an instagram account so i posted that i was going to do a live show and so i started a live hour once a week so i could keep in contact with people and I spoke mainly about how you're going to look after your hair, but then people started saying, do some motivation, do one of your like, you know, motivational. And so it very quickly came into that. And that's when I joined LinkedIn and I sat one afternoon and I suppose I was meditating in a way, but I was sitting very calmly, quietly on my own. And it was, it was a thunderbolt moment and it was like my ceiling opened and all the pieces of my life jigsaw puzzle came slowly trickling down onto the table in front of me and a bit like the matrix all moved into like sync like that and i looked and there in front of me there wasn't a jigsaw puzzle but in my mind's eye there in front of me was this message saying now's your time this is the moment you step out and you help people, you're already helping people, you're helping them with, you know, their fitness, and you're helping with their mindset, and you're helping them with their diets, and you're helping them with their business, and you're helping with them, you know, sending them in the right direction. But now's the time you actually do it globally, where you actually step outside your environment, and tell your story to the world and anybody that needs help, help them. And I thought, wow, how do I do this? And I fortunately joined LinkedIn and started to meet some amazing people, which is okay to mention yourself and, and um, Paul Rogers, Paul S. Rogers, oh, and Rob Sharkey, um, to name a few. And, uh, you know, my posts were still very Instagrammy, very, hey, I'm Mark J. And they said, well, like, you know, you're a lively character, but your actual core message is really good you need to do something with this rather than just come on and just have a chat. And, and that was my thunderbolt moment that the last eight months have been a, 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 a rocket, a rocket journey of to try and get this together. And, and, and LinkedIn has, has been amazing, you know, very fortunate to me, really beautiful, lovely people like yourself. And it, and it, and it's been an amazing journey that, I learned the word organic. I didn't know really what it meant in the tech world, but they said, God, you, you see how many followers you've got? You know, you've got them organically. And I said, well, yeah, when I came onto LinkedIn, I followed a few hairdressers and a few fitness instructors because that's what I know about. And then all these other people started going, you know, can I connect with you? Can I connect with you? And it went 400, 500, 600, 700, uh, 900. I'm like, oh my God, I've never had this. And then it hit a thousand. And I thought, whoa, you know, what's happening? All these people just connecting with me. and I would often stop and say, hey, look, you know, I'd reply to absolutely everybody and, you know, thank you very much for connecting. And, you know, it's really lovely to meet you and have a nice day. And I'd often get people say, hey, that's really lovely. Thank you for saying that. Normally you connect with people and they just go, hi, you know. And now, but it just, and I found myself very early on in LinkedIn um, having about 37 conversations. One afternoon, my, my other half, my rock, she brought me 
a cup of tea and a sandwich lunchtime and I'm on my iPad and my phone and I'm doing this and I'm, yeah, I started bodybuilding, but, but oh yeah, I did martial arts for 20 years. Oh yeah, I was bullied. Yeah, yeah. I just, and then the next thing, it felt like 20 minutes. She came in, she said, I'm just going to serve dinner up. And I went, well, what's the time? And she said, it's quarter to seven. You've, you've been doing that for five and a half hours. And I went, oh my God. <laughs> you know, I thought, well, well, you know, put the brakes on. I've got to put this in some perspective here. I, I can't just sit there all day messaging talking to people you feel like god you know but you know what i mean by talking to all these people and um no i've got i've got to put this so then a plan of action and and to take action and and to put it into some sort of model and and that's what we've been doing and and now we i i go forward and step into the world of helping people as many people as i can as long as i'm awake yeah, so so that's that's awesome, and uh, you have mentioned so many uh, subjects that people can relate with anyway. Uh, so how how could people uh, contact you? How could okay. they get to get to you? Okay, I'm I'm very lively on LinkedIn, um, and if you don't do LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram. Um, your say with Mark J Outlook.com is my email um, website um, under under building at the moment yeah construction um it doesn't say under construction at the moment it actually says um coming soon a bit like that movie you're waiting to come out so uh, mark j you're say with mark j coming soon but um yeah you're say with mark j outlook.com is my email and and i reply to i do see a lot of on social media a lot of people say don't dm me don't message me personally i haven't got a problem with that anybody wants to to have a chat or need some advice, message, DM, I reply. If I'm awake, I reply straight away. And um, that's the way people get in touch with me at the moment. You are a genuine person. Uh, it's oh, it's amazing, so huge uh, pleasure listening to you. You're a great storyteller, really. Thank so you. It, was, it has been a big pleasure having you Oh no, pleasure, the pleasure has been all mine, honestly. <laughs> it really has, it really, really has. Well, I wish we, we would have more time and I know you have uh, more stories to tell us, but um, I, I bet so many people will get in touch with you after this. Thank especially. you. Thank have you so much. Have a wonderful much. day. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Thank you.